0: Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of sharpenedartist.com joined by Lisa Clough of course from Lockery Fine Art Lisa how are you?
1: I'm great how are you doing?
0: I am never better and this is the show where we talk about colored pencil and drawing and painting and just about anything having to do with the artist so Lisa what are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about going back to the basics in drawing, which will, in the end, help your colored pencil work.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's important because of that end goal. If we want to become better at whatever art form we're talking about, drawing is where it all starts. Drawing is the basics of how to describe whatever form, whatever subject you're trying to draw. So it's just the most simplest form of art that we ever do create is a drawing type of rendering. And so before we can ever become very effective with paint or effective with color, we have to know something about the basics. And that's why we thought this would be a good show to talk about, just going back to the basics of drawing. You know, and I know you go through this too, Lisa, but many times I'll get, because I ask for replies on my emails, and I'll say, email me what you're working on. If you would like a critique, you know, tell me about that. And I'll get replies back, and oftentimes what I'll see is something that, They'll be be asking about color or composition, or they want to critique on a certain portion of the, of the drawing. And I really, when I look at some of the drawings that I get that I get back, it's it doesn't have anything to do with color, it doesn't have anything to do with composition or perspective or things like that. But it has to do with drawing and just the drawing skills in particular. So maybe you're excited about maybe you've got a new book and you want to try out some new techniques, or maybe there's a new course that you're taking, or whatever it is, and you're just anxious to get started with whatever this new thing is, sometimes it's better just to go back to the fundamentals and to start, you know, at the very basic level of drawing before you just dive into the deep end of the pool. And so those are some of the things that we're going to talk about today. So there is some value just in slowing down and just taking your time and learning the primary things first. I mean, you often see this where somebody will just want to dive in and just start rendering something just huge, something colossal and, you know, painting something or drawing something that is, you know, 40 inches or or more on one side and not really having much under their belt to be able to render something like that. And so some of the biggest challenges that, you know, you may face with something like that is just tackling something of that size is it's going to stretch you and challenge your drawing skills. And if it's, some, it's, if it's new territory for you, then that may get very daunting and it may become very overwhelming. And so those are some of the reasons why I think just going back to the basics will help because it builds confidence. When you go back to the basics and you build up slowly just how to draw, Going back to fundamental drawing and learning how to make a line, that sort of thing, building up from there, it teaches you how to draw. But more importantly, it gives you the confidence to stretch yourself in other ways, in other areas.
1: You know, And that actually, not just the size that can kind of hinder you and needing to back up and go maybe a bit smaller. I usually would start students with about an 8 by 10. 11 by 14 is the biggest I would have someone start with. And even that's really pushing it. 8 by 10 or smaller is, is less overwhelming. I mean, but even when you go with a subject, let's say you're really interested in painting portraits, maybe instead of jumping into a full body, because with a full body, in order to get a lot of detail, you're probably want go- going to want to go larger, at least I would say a 16 by 20. And that really does mm-hmm. start to get overwhelming. Beyond that, backing up a bit and really focusing a bit more on maybe just the face or even breaking it down further, just an eye. Mm-hmm. Get that eye right. perfect, just a nose, just a mouth. These little studies, doing these more simple things before you jump into trying to do the whole thing can really make you a lot easier.
0: Yeah, definitely. Just isolating features like that and then later on putting that all together, you know, or starting with the basic head shape and studying some of these yes. methods that are so popular that that help with, you know, portraiture if you're into portraits like I am, like the Loomis method or the Riley method, or getting an Asaro head head and just practicing and trying the shapes of the and the angles of the head. You know, those things are very helpful.
1: And even if your end goal is to work from photographs, working with some of those methods will help you out a lot, too, because sometimes in a photo you don't necessarily like your brain doesn't really grasp the concept of what happens when you turn the head from a three-quarter to straight on it changes different proportions in different you know this much of the side of the face shows versus at the three-quarter only this much you know you have those little things that you may not notice and if you can study stuff like that with these different methods different anatomy where just turning the head slightly how it affects the proportions of everything else when you start noticing that and really understanding that that's going to make it easier when you get a photo to see to understand what it is you're seeing
0: yeah definitely yeah There's actually a quote by, and I I don't remember the exact verbatim quote, but it's something like this from some famous portrait artist. But he says, until I can see the other side of the photo that I can't see, then I can't draw the head. And so, in other words, you, you feel it. You know what's on that other side. If To, to your point there, at least, about the three-quarter turn, you'll know where that ear is over on that other side, the side that is away from you, the viewer. And so those things are very important because, you know, just – Just being able to map the head, map the face, and know where those proportions are supposed to be in an ideal situation or an ideal head, that's very important. And being able to memorize that and just have that down is so important because then uh, to that, that end goal of knowing those things before you get started, it just makes you more confident. Now, I'm actually working on a portrait commission right now, and there's a really weird tilt to the female head. And if you follow me on, on Instagram, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'm posting my in progress there. But it's really strange. I'm trying to figure out, you know, it. I, I think I've got it figured out now. But for a long time, I was I was just doodling and sketching this out just over and over again on, on Newsprint, just trying to figure out what that tilt of that head really is. It's so tricky. And some of the clues that you get is, of course looking at the sides of the face. It's a front-on view, but it's got a tilt, and then it's up or down, and and then there's one side of the face that is shown more than the other side. And so that tells me there's a slight turn in in the head, obviously. And so really the biggest clue that you have with that sort of thing, depending on the the shading or the, the shadows because of the light source, is the cheekbone, the zygomatic processor, where you look at that cheekbone and you see where you know, that is sticking out just a little bit more on the sides of the face. That can help out quite a bit. But we're getting down in the weeds a little bit, aren't we, Lisa? We've got some things we want to go through here in just giving you some tips or some, some different methods for a drawing to get back to the basics of drawing. Okay, so number one, just practice a contour drawing and a blind contour drawing. So a contour drawing, as opposed to just a line drawing or an angle, you're drawing something that has you know is not straight you're drawing a line that has a curve to it and so often what is a good practice to do and you'll do this in any kind of art class that you may take is doing a blind contour drawing where you're only looking at your subject matter you're not looking at your paper you're not looking at your hand and you're looking over there at your subject matter often never lifting your pencil off the paper that is a really good practice just to do just to doodle around sketch That type of drawing, it teaches a lot of hand-eye coordination, and it really gets you back into the basics of drawing and learning, you know, just what your mind and your hand, all this physical stuff is doing while you're looking at something.
1: Next would be to practice drawing only shadows. Fill up maybe a 25 page sketchbooks with drawings where you only drew the, sub, the shadows on your subject and I think one of the great things about this too it's not just that it's good practice in itself it has this kind of se- secondary effect where it also is forcing you to work on your values more I think if you can get mm-hmm. your these darks dark. I tell this story all the time and I was hired once to come back, come in and fix a mural and they just felt it wasn't realistic enough The, the short end of this or shorter version of this story is that basically the thing the original artist did wrong there were no shadows she kept everything safe. Everything was mid-range. There weren't any darks. And I think this, not only is it just a good practice because it's kind of doing something a little different where you're only focusing on shadows, it's going to help you in the future, too, I think, not to be afraid and to have a better understanding of, of how those shadows look, where they go, and to apply those to your work because that does make it look so much more realistic if that's your goal. Oh,
0: absolutely. Let me just add to that, too, that it when you're doing something where you're just adding shadows – a good thing to do a good practice in that regard is to simplify it and only especially if you have a lot of different shadows and if there's a lot of different ranges inside the shadows then when you start out just look at one particular range of of shadow and only put in that one particular value range. So if if you think of a value range from 1 to 10 and 10 being the darkest, pick like a 7 or an 8 and only draw in every single shadow, regardless of where it is on the value scale, only do it like a, a 7. And just keep drawing a seven everywhere where there's a shadow. Then go in later and then lift out with an eraser and then push back, push back into it with a darker value to to add more detail if you want to later. But I think that's a real good thing to do with a shadow study. Okay, so next, go back and study anatomy. You know, and especially I would say if, you know, you're a portrait artist or you're wanting to do portraits or figures or anything like that, I think this is a very good thing to do.
1: Animals, too.
0: Yeah, and animals, I'm sure that would be good. But with with regard to a portrait, I mean, I think our tendency is to say, oh, how exciting. I'm just going to go in here and I'm going to do this colored pencil drawing. And I don't really know a thing about, you know, the anatomy of the, of the head and the face and all that. And what happens is. And you'll see this time and time again. Some new artist will start doing that and they'll start trying to add color. They're doing all these secondary things and they get frustrated because they don't understand the anatomy very well yet. And if you understand the anatomy very, very well, then when you go in there and you start adding color, you start doing your colored pencil rendering or you're adding paint or whatever it is, playing around with all these different techniques, you do that with confidence. And there's a lot of joy in doing it. And you're so excited about adding in all these details. It's the difference between being very frustrated with something and being very pleased and very happy with your end result and your outcome.
1: Well, and especially if you're working from a photograph you're working you're trying to Mm -hmm. make something that's two-dimensional make it look three-dimensional and if you don't understand why the light catches on certain portions of the face why it's highlighted here and shadowed here it can get confusing and it can be really easy to make some pretty big mistakes if you have a good understanding of the skeleton where it dips in where the muscles fall where all of that goes it makes it easier i think to understand why you're putting highlights in certain areas on most you know most portraits if the the light is coming from above you're going to have highlights pretty much in the same place on every person even though their their actual shape may be a little bit different the general concept of where those highlights fall is usually going to be the same with with exception to you know more unique lighting situations
0: no you're right though yeah But it it will in those major planes. I mean, let's talk about some of those real quickly. So like the the biggest major plane of the head, especially if you're using traditional lighting methods, is going to be the forehead right up there at the top. The forehead is going to reflect back to the viewer the most light. And then secondarily, you're going to have some of these other areas like. The tear line, the in the, the bottom lid of the eye, you're gonna have a highlight right there, tip of the nose, you're gonna have a highlight obviously, and the chin and the bottom lip in the lips, and then in the cheekbone, of course, you're gonna have some highlights there. That's I'm typically what you're going to see in traditional lighting.
1: I don't know about you, but for me, if I understand the why of something, it makes it easier for me to actually do that thing. And right. I mean, just everything in general. Like a doc, my doctor, I, I see a natural doctor who works with nutrition and stuff, and he'll tell me eat this or don't eat this. I won't remember. It doesn't stick with me, and I'm not a whole all that likely to cut those certain things out of my diet if he'll tell me right. the reason why he wants me to do it. Done. I have no. I understand now. It makes sense, and I can do it. And I think it's the same with art in a lot of cases. If you understand why you're doing something, it makes it easier to do it well and to stick to
0: it. No, definitely. Absolutely. All right. So next, set a time limit on your drawings and that will force you, you know, and also the way that you hold your pencil will also force you to become very quick at something. And, you know, Stop looking at all the details and trying to go directly to details, but it'll help you in just forming gestural type of drawings. And it just forces you to simplify things and to get it down to the very basic level. And there's a lot of good that can come out of just doing that. And the idea is not to make something beautiful, but the idea is to get the correct overall shape, form, and it'll help you with the rhythm and and know where the rhythms are in whatever drawing that you're trying to work on.
1: You know, it's funny. When I was working at one of those places, the paint while you drink or the people would bring in drinks while I taught them to paint. It was very similar. And when I first went in, my attitude was, oh, these paintings aren't very good. You know, you can't put the time to get the detail. And it's funny how much I learned from painting like that for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. of Just focusing on, and in those cases, I was, my goal was to make it look good, but in a very limited time. And I I learned so much from that experience that I wasn't expecting, which was great because I was being paid for it too. Uh, But I mean, there were just so many things that I learned as far as understanding i think values contrast composition all of those things because yeah. now you're not depending on on your details to hide things to fix things you're depending on the very basics your very basic composition mm-hmm. your very basic the gestures the 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 actual, you know, main shapes where you aren't hiding that with little flowers and little teeny tiny things because there wasn't time. So I doing that, those quick, quick paintings where for me, a painting that was going to be like a two-hour class, I had to be able to finish it in about 15 minutes myself. And learning to do a big 16 by 20, those were paintings, so it did go faster, but 16 by 20 inch and 15 minutes, you learn a lot.
0: Yeah, you know, another thing that does, Lisa, is it teaches you then that, things are not so precious, you know, just, you know, get get done with it, you know, go through it. It's easy to pause and to, you know, look back and marvel and say, wow, look how great I did on that for a long time, rather than just getting through to the very end. And if you don't look at every little thing as being something so wonderful, and so precious, but you're Approach is I'm getting this done. You know I'm going to go through this and get it done. Then I think there's a lot of value that can be that we can have in in just doing that. So th- that brings me to the next point here, and that is to use newsprint, use something that is non-archival. I've been doing this a lot lately. I've been because I'm working on uh, just a, a free portrait series that I want to uh, roll out here soon anyone who's interested in learning to do portraits a little bit better. But I've been using newsprint and just going through tons of papers, hundreds actually, of just drawing shapes, just basic shapes and drawing on newsprint because it's not archival and so I can't worry about anything looking too great. I'd it doesn't even matter if it is going to look great. There's nothing I can do about it. You know it, what you know?
1: also works really well for that? I got to use one of these for one of my smart art boxes. It's a mini. Well, I use the mini one. I would get a bigger one if I were recommending mm-hmm. someone else to get one. But the it's called a Buddha board. B u d d h a board. And this thing, it's a board that you does take. It have a, wet a little breath, uh, water?
0: Does it have a little naked fat man that you, sits if on you it? You want to draw cross- one? It could.
1: But what oh, you okay. do with these boards? <laughs> you take a paintbrush and water, and you just draw loosely. And within. I don't oh. no 15 minutes or so, the drawing disappears. Oh, it's wow. It's only water. But the way that it's set up, it gets darker. It, it's It's so much fun. Um, but it's one of those things that it's going to force you to do things very, very quickly because it's you're not, yeah. same thing as the newsprint. It's not something you're going to keep because it's going to disappear in fifteen minutes or so. Plus, then you're back to you've got a time limit because you've only got a few minutes before it dries. So if you want to draw something right. out, do it quickly. And it was it's meant for more like the sumi style, the Chinese brushwork. Um, yeah. Where you're being very very loose, but you could use it for overall drawing. Those things are wonderful.
0: Yeah, that that is kind of fun because it's a warm up, is what it exactly. is, and you're practicing. You know, so. That's awesome.
1: And then next tip we've got for you is to limit your supplies and colors. Draw mm-hmm. without erasing. Don't you know? Don't sit there with your whole set of pencils, Your uh, every eraser you have, everything you've got. Just get a couple of things, a single pencil or a piece of charcoal even, and your drawing mm-hmm. pad and go for it. And even when you do get to where you're starting to work with colors, one of the biggest problems that I see people when they start, they get overwhelmed. I mean, if you get a set of 120 pencils, that can be overwhelming. How do you know what color do you? When back up, choose three or four colors. That's it. Well, and just work from there.
0: You know what else that does though? It teaches you to trust yourself, trust your own judgment. It's what being an artist is you're problem solving and you're trusting what you decide. You're not having somebody else tell you exactly which colors to use. You know, and one of the things you want to do, even whenever you are being the fine artist and you're doing a full rendering and you're taking, you know, weeks or months. You, I, I think it's a good idea just to grab a whole bunch of colors that you think might go well, and then limit your palette with that anyway. Limit it for a while, at least until you get most of those basic shapes down, and then towards the end, maybe you want to switch it up and change some of the colors, but limiting the palette just simplifies things so much
1: it does and you know it's funny and it goes back to like I said this is something that I'm asked all the time how do you know what colors how do you learn to blend how do you learn to what colors to layer on top of Mm -hmm. each other you know how I learned Mm -hmm. because I taught myself this was before YouTube so there were no videos for me to watch I got a handful of paints I was what 19 I had no money I was painting on cardboard half the time because that's what I had and uh, don't worry I wasn't selling I know that's not archival but um (laughs) I I had a handful of paints I got my basic paint colors and I mixed from that and over time, yeah, now I've got a lot of colors, but I'm glad I started that way. I'm glad that for so mm-hmm. many years I was limited limited by these few colors and I had to learn to mix what I wanted from those few colors. I couldn't just, oh, you yeah, know, just go grab the Yeah, yep. exactly. It was by yeah. necessity. And I never mm-hmm. felt that I was missing out on something. I never felt like, "Oh, if I just had this color, I'd be able to make a better painting." It never that right. never crossed my mind. And you it start you start to learn that it's your values. How dark, how light, That's going to make it realistic, and I can't drive that point home enough. It's funny. We were Mm -hmm. talking about this before the show. I was reading through some of the exit surveys for Patreon comments that people will make anonymously as to why they didn't want to um, stay a member any longer. And there weren't many of them, but one of them said that she was unhappy because I wasn't Teach, she didn't feel I was teaching because I, I say you learn what colors to use by experience and practice honestly there's no formula she felt that I should be telling you okay now I'm using a red pencil now I'm using this colored pencil now I'm using pencil yeah. number whatever and the thing is when you want someone to hold your hand that much you don't have the confidence just try something if it doesn't work you're, it doesn't matter try it experiment with yeah. it and it's like I, I can tell by that comment this person probably isn't going to progress that far because she's looking for somebody i'm saying she I, it could be a he i have no idea who it was yeah but they're looking for somebody to hold their hand too much yeah. be brave make that take right. the chance there's no one no one can tell you all the time what colors to use and you're not going to learn what colors to use if you don't experiment on your own you may do a tutorial where they told you okay now i used red now i used pink number whatever and that will get you through a couple of pieces but at some point when you start wanting to work on your own projects what are you going to do then you didn't experiment. You didn't try. So you're back at the beginning of having to figure that out.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is like just starting over again. And that that artist, you're right, in this mindset that they currently have, they are going to be limited. They're not going to progress until you know, in, in certain ways until they let go of that mindset that there is some magical formula for, you know, just being spoon fed the colors. Yeah.
1: If I only knew the colors, I'd be able to do, make it look better. That's what everyone thinks. If I only knew which yeah. color to use. No, that's not it. Trust me.
0: Yeah. Now, and, and I'm glad, and Lisa and I agree a lot on this point. Some things we don't agree on. We don't talk about those that often, but, <laughs> but, um, but one of the things that, that, I think is interesting about this is I, yeah, I, I don't think that there's a magic thing that, that some artist is going to be able to tell you every single color that you need to be able to use. But I want to tell you something. There are artists out there that will spoon feed you that and will essentially give you a paint by number that you used to be able to buy at Kmart in the, you know, the blue light special aisle or whatever. They'll, they'll do that uh, for you. And I, I don't think it's helping you if you're somebody listening today and you and you take them up on that and you do the, those kind of things. But if you're buying one of these uh, quick tutorials on how to get started in colored pencil today and you look through the tutorial and it tells you every single color, every little layer to do, instead of talking to you about the reasons for the process and the overall meaning behind why things are done, then you know, I don't know. I, I just think that, To your point again there, Lisa, and I want to talk to you today if you're listening and you're somebody who has fallen prey to that kind of thing. I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek here, but I am serious as well, that what's happening is they're doing you a disservice, and I, I I don't want that for you. I want you to be able to make choices and decisions on your own as an artist and to be confident about those choices, and that's the reason why we're talking about this kind of thing today, because... Sometimes it is scary. Sometimes it is um, a little daunting, and you and you don't have the confidence at the beginning to say, "Hey, these are the colors I'm going to use in this." And you may post that on social media, or you may show a close friend, or a relative, or neighbor, or something neighbor or something like that. And they may disagree. They may say, "Oh, uh, why didn't you use this color in that, or something like that?" And early on, you may be you may feel very dejected because of that. But I want to tell you. Every artist has gone through that. Just be confident in what you decided and what you chose and move forward.
1: Yeah, it's very much like the Bob Ross style of painting, learning to paint Bob Ross. I love what he did for art. So I I was going to say, hey, don't don't, don't pick on my man there. Don't pick on (laughs) my man. I know so many phenomenal artists who got into art because of watching Bob Ross. So there's a place for that. I'm okay with that to get you to get your, you know, get into the shallow end. But if you actually want to improve, you've got to move away from Bob Ross and you have to start going for more advanced things. They may seem out of reach. You may look at that and go, oh, I'm never going to be that good. I'm never going to be able to do paint like that. I, at one point, felt like this with, there were artists that I kind of patterned my work after when I was working in marine life. One artist, his work was not super accurate. It looked very basic. His uh, dolphins were kind of misformed. His fish, I could kind of tell what kind of fish they were. Not really. Whereas the second artist was extremely detailed, extremely realistic. The lighting, everything, amazing. When I first started painting, Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. painting from this first artist that was more simple, which would have been like the Bob Ross of marine life. And I quickly, I mean, within a few paintings, I started moving towards this other artist and realized, well, at that time, my work was not as good as his was when i started working you yeah. know kind of copying his style it was suddenly way better than that first artist so let's say i was working from the from bob ross You may feel like, well, mine's not as good as Bob Ross's yet, so I'm not ready to move forward. That's not true. Move forward and you will quickly leap past what the Bob Ross level was. If you continuously Mm -hmm. copy somebody or copy a tutorial at a certain stage, you're generally going to be a little bit lower. Your your work is not going to be quite uh, up to the par of the person teaching it. So why not reach for the highest? Reach for things that are more advanced. You're going to then learn more, learn faster, improve to an extent that you wouldn't have possibly been able to do if you stayed with the stuff for beginners. Little tangent there. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, absolutely. This is so good, though, I think. Okay, so next tip, learn to just create body or volume with the pencil line, with the uh, increasing the intensity or the pressure of the pencil, You know, increasing the body of whatever it is you're representing just with the line, just with a line value. That can be very exciting to do, and you know you're not doing a full rendering. I mean, this isn't fine art or anything. This is this is sketching. This is learning how the the you know limiting maybe even the amount of strokes. Say I'm going to draw this complete. I don't know um, three dimensional uh, square, and I'm only going to use you know however many eight lines, or I'm only going to lift my pencil up so many times. That kind of thing. Just challenging yourself to limit yourself uh, with just a line, representing something with just a line. And it it just teaches you something about your tools and about how basic things can really be. And also, you know, just drawing uh, simple, very basic geometric shapes like a square and putting that maybe if you want to get a little more complex with it just putting that on a two-point dimensional type of drawing where you have two vanishing points something like that i mean that can be challenging but making a cylinder or a triangle a square a prism those kind of things and making them three-dimensional i mean the only way that we ever understand how to draw something with dimension is by first learning the very basic simple shapes of Something, then we can advance up to make that more complete by putting more complexity into the shape. But, I mean, you look at a face in particular, I mean, you're looking at a portrait, then you have to be able to understand that there's a cylinder there where the mouth is a mouth is not as flat region on the front of the face there's a cylinder it, it it has a curve to it depending upon you know the anatomy of the of the particular individual that you're drawing but there's a cylinder there i mean the same way with the triangle of the nose uh, there's shape in the you know the contoured area of the uh, lid of the eyes and the the ridge of of the uh, the eyebrow ridge there i mean there's there's all these contours all over every subject matter that we're drawing and so going back to just those basics is a big
1: and, you know, even calling them basics, I still use those when I draw. One of these days I need to make mm-hmm. a video of the actual drawing process I use. I always skip over that because I mm-hmm. draw it in my lap and it's, it doesn't make for a good video. Um, and I'm slow. But when I draw, like even if I'm drawing a flower, in order to make sure that I keep my perspective right, I draw a pretty much a circle or an oval where I want that flower where I want each flower to go and then I go in and put additional shapes additional geometric shapes where needed and then I can come through and draw my petals and and stuff like that I mean even as simple as a flower I'm going to do that I don't just start okay here's a petal I'm going to start drawing flower petals and you know it doesn't really come out right those geometric shapes I think they help so much even when you are working on something that's more advanced more complete understanding how to break things down into a geometric shape and the first place is going to help you a lot. So let's say you've got a bouquet of flowers that you want to draw. Make yourself first, draw them only in geometric shapes. Okay, this flower looks like it's more of a rectangle. This one's a little bit more of a circle. You know, draw out that bouquet like that. It'll make it way easier for you to keep everything in perspective and to have, I mean, just everything goes so much smoother when you can break it down into those shapes.
0: Yeah, and even if you don't start like that, even if you start with something that is a little more detailed most people that that are doing that they still have it in their mind sort of what that basic simple shape is in their mind and it, it's there on the on the paper or canvas as they're looking at it so yeah you've 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 got to start there i mean you really do got to understand that shape at, at its basic core level
1: one of the things that I want to add throughout all of these tips, everybody's mind works differently. Everyone is going to process things differently. A few of these tips, I probably would never do myself. They're not going to do, I know they that it's not helpful for me. My brain is just like, it's not going to process this information this way. So I'm going to find a different way where, so maybe four out of, I don't know, I didn't actually count them, but let's say four of these tips work well. Somebody else may want all eight. Don't feel like you have to force yourself to do every single one of them. I would say try every single one of them, but if your brain is just not wrapping around that concept, maybe your brain is not going to process that information in that way. You've got to find which tips, which techniques work for the way your mind works. I mean, the way my husband and I draw, he will start where I start with those geometric shapes, like I was saying, and plan everything out so my perspective is all where I want, everything's positioned, the composition is all in there, right? He will start with a nostril on a portrait. And they come out beautiful. Uh, he has a harder time controlling his size or his dimension, so that is one negative that way. He his may end up a little longer than the paper is sometimes, or what he wanted. Where I've got more control my way, but his mind doesn't work that way. His mind works. He sees a nostril, and he starts from there, and it just builds out. While he's drawing, I never know what he's drawing. It doesn't make sense till towards the end. Whereas mine, you can see from the beginning because of my general shapes where I'm going with it. Mm -hmm. So don't feel like you have to force yourself into any of these boxes. Figure out which works for you. And use those to practice with, kind of feed
0: those. Yeah. And the best way to figure that out, if you haven't tried some of these, if, if we've sparked your interest in some of these areas and you've never tried it before, don't knock it till you try yeah. it. Give it a shot and see what you think. So yeah, excellent. Excellent. All right, so maybe you have a particular back-to-the-basics drawing tip that you would love to share with us. We'd love to hear about it. You can share that with us over in the Colored Pencil Podcast group on Facebook, or reach out to us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com is the email, or La Cree and sharpenedartist on Facebook twitter and next week lisa i think we're going to be doing a review on the derwent drawing pencils i'm
1: excited i'm currently in love with them and i'll tell you why next week
0: all right so we will talk to you again next week
1: bye thanks for
0: listening to this week's episode all the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com